Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I didn't know that I had a line with cake, but we sure found it. We have learned about ourselves because of you. I just discovered a new boundary. (laughs) You have a rehearsal dinner the night before a wedding. And you try to get everything exactly the way it's going to be the next day so that everybody is aware and prepared for the actual ceremony. Nothing's going to catch you off guard. Right. And that's what happened at the Friday night rehearsal. We ran through all the things involved in my brother's wedding. My father was the officiant. Now, here's the thing. My brother and sister-in-law got married in a cute little B&B, beautiful old house in Pennsylvania. And when we had the rehearsal, it was probably around four o'clock in the afternoon. All right. The wedding actually is set for later in the day. And it actually got started late. Uh Uh-oh. So everybody gets into place. You know, my sister-in-law has come down the stairs and she was amazingly beautiful. And my mom was standing next to me and she was already crying. And my sister was on the other side of her and all the bridesmaids and the groomsmen and all, all the splendor. It was so beautiful. And then my dad in his beautiful suit opens up his notebook to start the proceedings. And he tells us later on, he realizes it's gotten so dark in the area where he is that he couldn't read his notes. Oh, boy. He literally couldn't read his notebook. (laughs) And he said, I didn't know what to do. I wasn't going to ask somebody to turn on a special light. He said, I thought about grabbing one of the candles that was on either side of the (laughs) unity candle, but he thought I might drop wax on my notes and that would be bad. So you know what he did? What did he did? He shut his notebook and he did it all from memory. Which made it beautiful and poignant and very, very short. My brother got married this past weekend. My dad was the officiant, but there was so little light in the B&B where we were that my dad couldn't read his notes. So we had to wing it. (laughs) And I love stories of things going wrong at weddings. So we want to hear, how did the wedding you were at go a little bit sideways? Got married, went to the reception, and... Within just a few short minutes, they realized in the reception hall that's within the church that there was a bat. Ah! Oh! I don't know where they found BB guns so quickly, but there were several men with BB guns (laughs) shooting at a bat at my reception that just happened to be over our cake. (laughs) Did any BBs or bats land in your cake? I don't know. You don't know? Nobody complained. (laughs) My cake's crunchy. (laughs) My brother got married over the weekend, and yeah, you know, there's always a few things that go wrong, which is fantastic, because then you have a story. I was up at the church getting ready, and my future husband was not at the church, so I didn't know where he was. My mom was at the apartment finishing up my dress because she was notorious for waiting until the very last minute. She's yeah. cutting it close. Come to find out, even though I'm fretting thinking my future husband has decided to leave me at the altar, he was at the apartment with my mom putting the final hems in my dress for me. Your future husband was hemming your dress. Yes. And one of his groomsmen was also down there helping put the hems in my dress for me. Now, if there's ever a day that you want to go absolutely right, 
it's the day of your wedding. But it never does. <laughs> That's just the law of weddings. Something's going to go wrong. Hopefully it's hilarious. And we want to hear that story. On the day of our wedding, my bridesmaids and I all went to a salon to get our hair done. And while we were in there, my car was broken into in the parking lot. Oh, no. So my suitcase was stolen, oh, no. which, of course, had all of my honeymoon stuff. Yeah. But it also had our wedding bands and our marriage license. <laughs> And so we also have a great picture in our wedding album of my husband and I standing in the foyer of the church with all these beautiful flowers in the guest book and two police officers filling out a police report. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, but the girl in me wants to know whatever happened with the rings. Did you get it back? No, we didn't get anything back, unfortunately. But my husband's cousin, as soon as she found out, she busted it to a jewelry store and explained to them what happened. And that jewelry store felt so bad that they gave us (gasps) two gold bands and a strand of freshwater pearls. And those are still the bands that we wear today. Oh, my goodness. I love that story so much. Wow. We were able to laugh about it, but it also set an important tone, I think, for the marriage. I love cake. I mean... When I couldn't have cake for a while when I was pregnant because I had gestational diabetes, I used to dream about cake. I love cake. And so it can be frustrating when you've made a cake for company or some sort of special occasion. Or bought one. And the fur babies get into it. Yeah, hypothetically, if if you have a party and you have a cake and you have a dog and the dog has gotten into about, oh, I don't know, a third of the cake. Do you still serve the other two thirds? And here's the deal. You posed this question to me and immediately, <laughs> immediately my thought was, of course you serve the cake. You Duh. just you just cut off the part that the dog bit and then it's, it's essentially a brand new cake that has no dog contamination on it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where I differ from the goodness. We must have gotten a half a dozen calls in the last 10 minutes. And the consensus is serve it and don't tell. And that's where I differ. <laughs> you make that announcement. Goodness, like, what? Do you, you think? own it. Yeah. Listen, I'm sorry. The dog got into the cake. That's why it's no longer a square. It's like, it looks like a comic book speech bubble because we had to cut out a portion of it. Just tell them the dog bit a corner off of it, but don't worry. We've cut that part out. So you tell them. Yeah. That's funny because our friend Sarah also said that she would tell them. I feel like the people who are coming into our home, I'm good enough friends with that I'm just going to say. The dog ate part of the cake, but that's not the part we're serving to you, so. Okay. You wouldn't do that? You don't know what I would do (laughs) or what I have done. I'm not saying anything. I'm pleading the fifth. Have I eaten a bagel cake? (laughs) Bagel Bagel the beagle took a bite out of some cake that I have eaten. I don't know. Guess what? I don't care, but it hurts that you thought think I would have judged you for that. Don't assume. I never said whether I did it I'm or not. I'm assuming so hard right now. <laughs> I knew this wasn't a theoretical. I knew it wasn't. This is the question on the table. If a dog has gotten into a third of a special occasion cake, 
do you still serve the other two thirds? What do you say, Polly? I say yes because I kind of did that. Oh, oh really? <laughs> It was actually our wedding and my grandma had uh, spent a bunch of time. We had a Hawaiian theme and she had made pineapple upside down cakes and she spent like the whole night doing it. Yeah. And my boxer dog had eaten about a half of one of them. Oh, So in order to make sure we had enough cake, we just made sure anything that he didn't touch uh lit out so and nobody seemed to have a problem with it clean dog all up to date on all the shots he was good okay i gotta say i know we maybe aren't supposed to have favorites but this might be my favorite thing to talk about because it combines two beloved things our pets and cake Yeah, Jen has been posed with a definitely hypothetical, didn't actually happen situation. So theoretical. The dog ate about a third of a cake meant for a special occasion. Are you allowed to still serve that cake? You got to have cake. Any occasion. Make an excuse. It's sunny today. We're going to have cake. (laughs) (laughs) So would you serve the cake after the dog had gotten into it? I'm lucky enough. My dog has never gotten into the cake, but the cat loves frosting. And so I have had cake that has the frosting completely licked clean of an area. (laughs) So what I usually do is I serve the part that the critter got into to one of us who doesn't care. And then if I'm serving it to anybody else, they get the part that the animal didn't get into. Do you at least like try to spackle over like where the cat licked the frosting off and get it kind of refrosted? No. no. Especially not if I'm going to eat it because I'm not that big of a... Fr- I could eat cake without frosting, so I don't care. No, 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 no. No, Sienna, you could eat cat licked cake with no frosting. You are hardcore, my friend. I gotta say, you I know... I don't think I could do that. I don't think I'd go that far. <laughs> I didn't know that I had a line with cake, but we sure found it. Thank you, Sienna! We have learned about ourselves because of you. I just discovered a new boundary. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation about whether you serve a cake that a dog has eaten part of has <laughs> apparently... um. Well, it's brought out some type of response from our friend Jen. I am I'm a little grossed out this morning. <laughs> would, you, would you not serve you the cake? Not serve that cake. No. no finally, we got our first no. person. You just throw it out. The whole thing. Toss the thing. There could be a stray hair in there, or some saliva that slopped over. <laughs> What if your guest gets like a dog hair in their mouth? Then what do you do? Oh, if somebody's at my house, they're getting a dog hair in their mouth anyway. That's, yeah, that's probably just they open their mouth while bagel is shedding. Mean, seriously, I figure I eat about at least a pound of dog hair a year. I mean, we might cut it off and save it just like family, immediate household only, but I would never serve that to anybody. I love how all the families are getting the short trips on yeah. this one. We can have this. This is family food. We've had people who are like, well, we wouldn't serve it to our friends, but we would definitely serve it to our kids. <laughs> definitely. You get a beautiful box of chocolates mm. from your friend. Thank you, Taylor. You're welcome. And Lindsay. I got a box of chocolates from my friends. And you're faced with a dilemma, though, because do you take your favorite one first, or do you take your least favorite one first? How do you solve this dilemma? My initial reaction was absolutely choose the best first, because you might, for some reason, end up having to share with someone, and you don't want to give away your best. 
You never know. If, if you're going to have to share, they're going to swoop in and take your draft pick. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the boss comes in. You got to. You got oh, the <laughs> boss. I didn't even think about Bruce. If mm. Bruce came yeah. in and was like, hey, can I have one of those chocolates? What am I going to tell him? No, you can't have that one. He's going to take a candy exactly. tax. You got to eat what you like first. That's the way it is. The last time you opened a box of chocolates, you probably didn't think too hard about which one you were going to reach and grab first. Probably you have a system. Maybe you just don't know that you have the system. (laughs) My system was challenged yesterday because Taylor and Lindsay gave me this. It's a gorgeous. It's like artisan chocolates where every single one of those little morsels is a piece of art. And there's a little roadmap that comes with it. And it tells me exactly what every one of them is. And so I had to decide Was I going to choose my favorite one first or was I going to save that for last and eat the worst one first? We want to know how you solve the chocolate dilemma. On special occasions, my husband and I go to STOM, Chocolatery STOM, and so you can pick which ones you want. So what I always do is I kind of do the best in the middle because if you eat the best (laughs) one first, then you're just kind of like sad the rest of the It's all downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do the best one last, then you're like, I want more and I don't have any. So it's like you save it in the middle because that way you're not disappointed at the end. You've kind of had your good one and you're kind of satisfied. So that's how we do it. You really thought hard about that. Yes. (laughs) I like that way of thinking. You create a nice crest. Yes. You build up to it and then you taper down. Just like a, a good short story. Yeah. Yes. Wow, I'm going to come eat chocolates with you. (laughs) I mean, it's chocolate. Mm -hmm. So is there really a bad one? There are some that are better than others. And you have to get strategic when you open up a box of chocolates, what you eat first, what you eat last. I've never heard a strategy quite like Bonnie's, though. Coconut and any chocolate is my favorite. And when I get a box of chocolate, there's usually two of them in there. So you eat one first and you hide the other one so nobody else can have it. Oh, my goodness. That's great. Where do you hide it? Wherever I want to. I don't think it's controversial to say this. We're living in pretty divided times. Uh, Yeah, I think that is every day. Everybody is mad at everybody about everything, it feels like. Go say that it's partly sunny out or that the water's wet and see what happens. And Jen, you brought up something about the disciples a couple years ago that has just stuck with me. Two in particular where you have Simon the Zealot, Mm -hmm. who is literally a guy who wants to violently overthrow the government. Yep. And then you have Matthew, the tax collector, who's about as government employee and backstabbing to his own people as you can get. Yep. And Jesus calls both of those guys to follow him. Yeah. Think about that. And I just uh, I especially was thinking about a guy like Simon, who your identity is. I am going to overthrow the Romans. Everybody who works for the empire is evil because this is an evil empire. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says, oh, by the way, this is your brother. And so like we talked about this, like you've got those two. And I mean, there were divisions all along the disciples of socioeconomic differences and all this stuff. They were a varied troop. And so, number one, you would have had to unite around Jesus. You've got that common purpose to unite around. Yeah. But I think there's also something deeper than that, because someone like Simon and others who would have held these deep, deep identity things that would have made it hard to serve alongside other men, that would not be allowed to be the primary thing that defines them anymore. 
Oh. If your number one identity thing is I hate the Empire and there's someone who's serving the Empire right next to you, that's got to come second. Yeah. And so I think when God calls us to be unified and to worship alongside people who are different from us, I wonder if part of it is so we can be surrounded by people who have different idols than we do so that all of us can take those idols and knock them down, force them to be second place because we've got Jesus who's coming over all of it. And that's the only way we can worship him. I'd just like to go on the record saying that I fully support the efforts of an almost adult child to be independent of his mother. Okay. I was just trying to be nice. Mm -hmm. He has been burning the candles at both ends this year. It's his senior year. He's involved in everything. And uh, he and his show choir band and show choir buddies were getting ready to go on an overnight trip. He's been so busy that I thought, well, you know what? I'm the one that laundered and prepared his clothes, so I'll just go ahead and pack a bag for him. Oh, that's nice of you. I thought so. One less thing he has to worry about before going out of town. He was going to be in bed really late that night, and then he was going to be able to get up the next day and just put in the toiletries and go, because I have I've packed the bag. I felt very warm and, and loving, and like I had been a good mom. Yeah. A very good mom. Until... Late the next night after the competition was over and I started seeing some of the pictures that the other moms who went on the trip were posting. That wasn't what I packed him. He was wearing... He, he, he wore was, unpacked clothes. He was wearing an outfit that I did not pack him. He's supposed to wear all black. I packed him a nice black dress shirt and a pair of nice black dress pants. So why is, why is he showing up in the pictures in black and white Sweatpants. He wore sweatpants? So I <laughs> I texted him right away. And I was like, dude, where are your black dress pants that I packed you? And he just wrote back two words. Too uncomfortable. No! <laughs> I'm like, so you broke dress code? He's like, they don't care. I care! Ben, welcome to being a grown-up where you wear less comfortable clothing to impress people you don't know. He doesn't care! (laughs) So I packed him one outfit and he wore a completely different outfit (laughs) because sometimes with your kids and their fashion, they go their own way. Right, Eddie? We were getting ready for church in the morning and my middle son, Oliver, um, my husband said, Allie, go get dressed for church. So he came into our bathroom. He's like, how does this look? So he had on a pair of gym shorts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had on um, a white T-shirt with a button-up shirt on top of it. But the nice. button-up shirt was unbuttoned. Yep. And then he had a nice pair of sunglasses on. <laughs> and my husband was like, mm, buddy, no. No. He's like, dad, Jesus doesn't care what you wear. <laughs> <laughs> how do you argue with that? You he can't. said, come as you are. <laughs> Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, Father. So he still had to change. Oh, Oh, okay. Jesus doesn't mind, but I kind of (laughs) do. Our sweet, smart, wonderful friend, Dr. Heidi, always tells us it's important for us to let our children become independent thinkers Mm -hmm. so that they can go off on their own. Here's the problem. When... They start going their own way on outfits, and you get photographic evidence of it. Yeah, you got a story of your child making some interesting fashion decisions? My son was going to do pictures that day in kindergarten, and he was dressed in jeans and a brown and tan plaid shirt, and he wanted to wear a tie. So I'm looking for a tie, looking for a tie. And he comes in, and he has this dark blue, dark red 
striped tie <laughs> attached to him. And I'm like, but honey, that doesn't really match. Let me find you a different tie. And he just looked at me, gave me his puppy dog eyes and his little pouty lips. <laughs> and he goes, but don't I look handsome? Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes, you do. Yes, you do, buddy. And so we still to this day have pictures. Oh, you let him. You let him do that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Are you going to say, no, you don't look handsome, son? I'm never going to say that. <laughs> he looks beautiful. They do this in lots of ways, but they especially like to do this with clothes, with Mm -hmm. their outfits, your kids or any child that you've been in charge of. You think you're doing a good thing by laying out their outfit Mm -hmm. or choosing something they're going to wear. And then they go their own way. When my daughter was in kindergarten, so that's like five, six years old, Mm -hmm. I Dressed her in layers because typically I'm always cold. So my kids were always a little overly dressed for warmth in the winter. They just were. <laughs> We'd have a t-shirt, probably a turtleneck, maybe a sweater over that. I yep. mean, like, there's no chance you're going to get cold at our house. <laughs> I went to her kindergarten conference at the end of the school year. And you know how they give you like a portfolio of the year? Every picture in the winter, she was in her little children's place underwear shirt. <laughs> She had taken all the layers off. All the layers are off. Yeah, and and what's so sweet is that she left the house fully dressed, and she came home fully dressed. And it was never discussed that maybe I had on five too many layers of clothes. I'm not sure. Taylor. Jen. How many times a day is a broken clock correct? Twice. Exactly. Two times a day. So, there was a big old church clock in Grimsby, England, and it was only right twice a day because this big old clock has been broken for 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. It Stuck is, at 12.02. 12.02. Now, Taylor. Jen. How many times is a can of WD-40 right? Every time you use it. <laughs> I love this story. You sent this to me and you were just like exclamation point. This is this is incredible. So this clock has been broken for 12 years. It's at this beautiful church in England. Gorgeous. And they finally decide, I guess, 12 years is, you know, enough to finally hire somebody. And they got a bill for the, the pounds converting to dollars. It would have been like fifty six thousand dollars. It was the estimate. Yeah. The, the estimate, estimate for what would need to be done to fix the broken church clock that was chiming twice a day at 12.02. And then cheesemaker Rick Haywood and student Jay Foley. Who's 15, Who's 15. So a cheesemaker and a 15-year-old student, they they decided to go look at it themselves. And they brought their trusty can of WD-40. And wouldn't you know it, that fixed the broken clock. Well, they had to clean out some dead pigeon carcasses. Yeah, there there were dead birds involved and clearing those out and then spraying the grinding gears. And guess what? The clock is right all the time now. Although, how much is the church staff just sitting there kicking themselves? Like, are you... We waited 12 years. 12 years! And this is what it took? It was fixed. A church in England thought they were going to need to spend tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars to fix the church clock that had been broken since, what, 2004? It had been been a 12-year brokenness. And then somebody came along with a can of WD-40, cleaned out some things, 
and the church clock works. Now that is a shoestring solution. And if you've got one, we would love to hear it. So I am a farm kid, and last fall, the auger on our combine to dump the corn into our grain cart had about a one-foot hole in it. Ooh. So we took an old Joni Earth sign, some duct tape, and some big zip ties, <laughs> and it got us through harvest. <laughs> <laughs> we will be getting a new combine hopefully this year that is brilliant oh, you took a political so sign and used it to fix a f- piece of farm equipment i don't know what's more iowa than that <laughs> what teenage boy has not wanted to be the member of our successful rock band <laughs> like at some That's, point okay yeah this was my brother and i growing up we we actually played in a little band together and we had friends from school who were in this band and we wanted to be able to record an album <laughs> i'm sorry now <laughs> that would Good for you, Taylor. It's, it's not like you. we had this huge budget from going on tour or anything. We just had our allowance and whatever we could pick up from our summer jobs. So okay. we had to construct our own home studio. And God bless my parents for letting us do this. What did you do? Because, okay, on a shoestring, building a home studio means my brother and I had rooms that were back to back from each other. Adjoining. And so... We drilled a hole in the wall oh my goodness. between our two rooms. And my brother had this little computer program where he could record sound on it. I had my drum set in my bedroom. And we bought some cheap microphones and microphone cables that we could run through that hole between my room to his room and plug into his computer. Now, we ran out of money by the time we bought all of the microphones. So we couldn't get stands to put the microphones on. So what'd you do? We nailed some boards to the ceiling of my bedroom and we looped the microphone cables over those boards and just had microphones dangling from the ceiling over each one of my drums and you just lower them exactly to where they needed to be. Voila! A shoestring studio! I think I still have one of the songs we recorded somewhere and it will never play on Life 107.1. The Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at Life 1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.